and there's still time. Episode 72 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pender. And we're bringing you this podcast from the Whitecaps Open Training Session at Swanguard. Just have to say, Steve, like just looking around the atmosphere again, it's, it's wonderful to be back at Swanguard, isn't it? Yeah, great weather. Uh, the crowds aren't that full, but I guess they, they put as many people at all as they could into the stands and obviously the parking lot's full because I had to walk about 10 minutes to get to here. Yeah, and it's like you're you're sweating a bit just now from that walk. Somebody else that might be sweating at the moment is Carol Robinson because his team in the last week have blown three leads. What do you put that down to? I think it's just youthful, inexperienced. Also, it comes to just, always comes to like a free breakdowns. Uh, simple breakdowns, uh, and you, you could say youthful, but then you, you look at the TFC game for one example. Uh, that was Nigel Ria Coker, Coker, uh, you know, making a blunder of a play in the box. So you, it, it, I don't know. It's a bunch of factors, and it's hard to pinpoint one thing. They gotta soon pinpoint it because they can't keep keep giving up these leads late in the half. I had a look at the stats, and I mean, yeah, blowing the leads is bad, but. Also, it's, it's the amount of late goals that the team are letting in. They've let in 11 goals in the last 15 minutes of matches, and that is the highest in the league. But 11 goals, 40% of the goals that they've conceded have been let in, in in that final 15 minutes of games, and that just can't happen. If they want to be a team that is pushing for the playoffs, they just can't let that happen. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is despite that stat, that they are actually in a decent position right now still, uh, where they could turn it around. Like you were saying, the week was bad. In a way, I I I ended up counting it as a half, like that two halves. They ended up the first half on a bad note with Chivas. But if you look at it, that road trips, that two draws in two games, that's not a bad start to a, a, a second half of a season. But obviously, everybody's gonna look at the one week that you know ended up being two points out of nine. And I think that's like hit the nail right in the head there. If they had got a win against Chivas, you're looking at an unbeaten three-game patch, you're looking at five points out for possible nine, two of those coming from, from road draws, and you'd be really happy with that. You'd also be looking at a Whitecaps that would be in second place in the West. But of course, you can't look at what ifs because that isn't how it played out. And instead, for the first time all season, we're looking at the Whitecaps having dropped out of the, the actual playoff spots. 
Yeah, but before this week started, if you would, before the road trip had started, if you said we got two draws, that would have been fantastic. It's the cheapest game that puts the blemish on the whole record. But overall, I think it was a decent way to set up the two games. They set them up nicely. Sure, they they put a more emphasis on the TFC game, but they got a draw out of each one. Of course, scoring first in both games, which was ironic, and they, as you said before, let let the lead slip away in both games. Now, this is our first podcast since the, the Shivas game. Um, we did a post-game one for that, so we haven't looked at the Toronto and the RSL games. For that Shivas post-game show, we had the debate. We knew that, that Carroll was going to make squad rotation. We knew that he was going to leave players out. We knew he was going to give some of the fringe players a, a chance to to get some minutes and, and maybe like make a claim that they deserve to be in the starting lineup. And we were split. I, I felt that the, the Salt Lake game was the more important game, and that's when the, the strongest team should have played. I know you and Har were saying, get the points in Toronto, CONCACAF Champions League, important points for that, all that kind of stuff. Family, family for Har. The, I mean, the way it played out, Carroll played the stronger team with our DPs, Laba and Morales, in Toronto, and he rested the DPs and played the weaker team in Salt Lake against Western Conference opposition in a game that could have seen the Whitecaps go second. They've actually had three games in a row now where if they had won, they've gone second, and instead of that, they're out of the playoff positions. Still obviously very much in the race because it's that tight, but I mean, do you think it was a good decision playing the stronger team in Toronto and the weaker one in Salt Lake? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't. I didn't see them getting anything out of RSL, even with the strong team. Uh, so the uh, my that's what why my philosophy was to put out the strong team against TFC. Hopefully, get the victory. Hopefully, get the three points, and then we'll see what happens in 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 RSL. And he he brought you, you know you say he didn't you know he, he didn't really put a youthful lineup against RSL because he had got he had a guy like Bellucci on there uh, holding mid and a couple other guys that you know wouldn't be considered young. Uh, like Fernandez and everything, so, but against TFC, I felt like they needed to get something. It was a national game. It was important, and like you said, in CONCACAF, I, I think there was more importance in that one. I, I have no problem with what he did and how he did it. Uh, speaking about the TFC game, what were your thoughts on the foul itself? I, I said that Rio Coker kind of blundered into him, but was it a foul? Did, did Jackson fall into Rio Coker more, or what do you think of, about that call? Well, I mean, Jackson definitely made the most of it, as you would in the box. It's one of those things, in days of old, no, it wouldn't have been a, a foul penalty. But in modern football, yeah, if you make a tackle like that in the box, you are risking, I mean, you're, you're putting the referee in a position where he has to make the call. I think it was a justified call. I think it was just sheer stupidity from Nigel Rio Coker. Second road game in a row that he had actually given away a penalty and a stupid clumsy penalty at that. And you expect better from a 30-year-old, a guy that's played at the top level, a guy that's played for his country. You don't expect someone like that to be making those kind of stupid tackles in the box and basically leaving it up to the referee to make the decision. And I would say in the modern game, nine times out of ten, a referee's going to call that. Yeah, I agree with that like if you look we'll even go back to the world cup but like for example the the robin call against mexico a lot of people calling that a dive but dive Ma- but mark has actually put himself in a position to for robin to do that and to and it was a foul in fact but the dive obviously wasn't uh, added on to that one so it, you got you got to think that 
referees are looking for the call and they're going to call it when they see something even closer because you got to understand the angles of where the referees are too they're, they're not always at the best angle to make that call and since we're talking of penalties let, let's look at the one that we got on saturday the one that went in the white caps favor Darren Mattox taken out. Now, Simon Borg, an instant replay on MLS, says definite penalty because the trailing leg catches Mattox and prevents him going for the loose ball. I do agree with that. My first glance of seeing it, though, was it was never a penalty. I think it was the same thing about what you're talking about. The referee was, like, the referee was at a bad angle. Um, and if he's going to see that trailing leg hit, hit Mattox and tumble him over, he's going to make the call. I don't see how the referee could have seen if the, he got ball first. It, it, would, it would have been a, an unbelievable vision from him to see that. And it, it was unfortunate that, that that call was made too because for, just for the fact of the, I don't know if you listened to it, but the post-game show was just like a bitch fest basically between uh, Jason DeVos and David Norman where they were arguing. It was actually more on Jason DeVos' side where he was arguing that that should never have been a penalty. It took up almost like 10-15 minutes of the post-game show. So it was hilarious to see, but in, the, in that position, if, if a, a defender goes to ground, whether he makes clean contact with the ball, if he makes contact with the player, there's a good chance that it'll be called a penalty. I mean, it's the same thing. You're, you're putting yourself in the box to make that referee make that call. Let's, let's quickly go back to the TFC game. I think coming out of that game with a point, going into the game with a point, I would have been really happy. I would have been delighted to, to get a point from basically what is one of the strongest teams in, in MLS right now. As it turned out, that way that that game finished, I felt so disappointed because the Whitecaps, and Carl Robinson said this afterwards himself, the Whitecaps should have won that game. And Carroll had talked about having to, to get some wins on the road now to make up for the home loss against Chivas. Yeah. That was definitely one of those games that he could have done that. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot, lot of chances, missed chances. Uh, just, again, it's, it's the ball in, last ball in the box in the final third. Just not crisp enough, and they're missing chances for that. It's gonna, ultimately, it's going to cost them down the road. They need... I know there was somebody on Twitter, oh, John Humphreys. Uh, I'll shout, give him a shout-out who said that they shouldn't grab anybody in the transfer window because they they should let the youth grow as they as they're you know in coming in and and keep keep on the same track my thing is there's nothing wrong if you get the right veteran for a position that is needed that you don't have any youth youthful players at for example target striker we don't have anybody that can play that role and because even when Omar Salgado played in against RSL, he played on the wing, so he didn't even play on, uh, in the middle of the park. So they don't have anybody like that late in the game that can kill a game up the field or even get a goal late in the game. Uh, and there's a couple other positions. So the, T the TFC game itself was a, a proven indication where they couldn't finish around the area and everything like that. And, and they need that. They need that guy. And I think that's going to cost them down the road. Now, we also saw a little bit of that in Salt Lake, but the Salt Lake performance was so different from the, the one against Toronto in that for the, well, the first half in Toronto, they were a bit under the cosh, but then the second half, I thought the Whitecaps were the better team. Now, the opening 15 minutes in Salt Lake, once again, just like back in April, that was like non-stop wave after wave of like RSL attack. And what was good is that unlike in April, the Whitecaps' defence was bending, but they didn't break. Then the Whitecaps game plan came into the four, they wanted to hit in the counter-attack, they really frustrated Salt Lake, and then they, they got the go-ahead goal and let it go in. 
We saw a lot of that in, in Martin Rennie's era, where it was more counter-attack play, it was kind of almost boring at times because they were just trying to kill the game off and they'd have been happy for a point and it's, it's something which I've said several times in the past the problem under Rennie was then when the other team took the lead the Whitecaps looked like they didn't have any answers and they didn't know how they were going to get round and do anything you don't get that feeling when Robinson does that because you feel that he still has the personnel in the park that if they do go a goal behind they can just up a gear and they can start paying, playing offensively but how difficult do you think it is Steve to to have a team that's going on the pitch in a defence-minded thing and still expecting them to, to try and get those forays forward and then it puts more onus that they have to take. They're not going to get many chances, but they have to take whatever chances they do get. I wouldn't disagree with you on the Rennie point. I think while he... He, that might have been what his intention was. It never seemed like it. It never seemed like he was counterattacking at all. It seemed like the Vancouver was always taking wave after wave, and there was no opportunity even to counterattack. As soon as they got the ball, they moved it up to the center line, and they, it was given away, and then they had to play back on defense again. And it was a lot of more scrambly than I think. I feel like Carl Robinson is more organized in the back, uh, despite letting those late goals in. Um, and when he does counterattack, there's some purpose behind the counterattack, and they actually have a plan going forward. Overall, I think I think it was a, a solid idea against RSL. You got different climate, different altitude, and everything there. It might be obviously not as bad as Colorado, but still, there's an altitude there, and you want to be able to maintain what you're uh, uh, maintain yourself so you can go a full for 90 minutes. My question to you about these two games is. Against TFC, they played basically a 4-4-2 diamond. Against RSL, they went back to their 4-2-3-1. Obviously, the results were the same, and but there were different personnel. Which one had the better look to you, for you? That's that's a really good question. They they both looked good in spells. I think with the the players that the Whitecaps have, 4-2-3-1 really works for them because you're wanting to see like Kofi and Laba as a defensive shield, or you've got Kofi and Tybert that can work there, or Bellucci back there. They have a lot of players that can play defensive mid-rolls. They have a lot of players that can kind of block the middle of the park as well. Where they seem to be lacking is with the creative players, and especially on the wing. And we talked about it last podcast, we'd love uh, like a left winger to come in. And 4-4-2 is relying on you having a really good guy in the right wing, a really good guy in the left wing, and I don't think we have the personnel here just now that's going to consistently do that. If we could bring in a left winger, then I think 4-4-2 would work. I'd still like to see 3-5-2. Um, who knows, we may see that at some point this season. Unlikely, but I, I think he's going to just stick mainly with the 4-2-3-1. What do you think about Sam Adkugu's play uh, uh, in the left-back spot in the 4-4-2? I thought he was pretty effective going forward when he had the chances. I thought Sam was excellent against Toronto, and he didn't look like a guy that was making his first road start, a guy that was making only his second MLS start. He looked really composed, he looked really comfortable. I don't really remember him being under a lot of pressure at all for that game. And you would think TFC, with the players that they had at their disposal, playing against a 19-year-old guy, that they would have tried to attack him and like really gone for it. Maybe they did, and maybe he just really coped with it. He had a couple of strong challenges as well. I mean, it might just have been that Adekube was really good and he soaked up all that pressure. So, I mean, he looked good. 
And I, I think if we did go 3-5-2, he is a guy that can play that left wing role. And we, we mentioned last time, we've seen him do it in the residency. It's a big difference between doing that against men and boys. But he's definitely got something that can do that. And you have to remember as well that Jordan Harvey played a lot of left midfield when he came to the Whitecaps initially. So he's another guy that can do that. And he has added a goal-scoring threat. So I think 3-5-2 would work. I don't see either of them, though, being able to really play a left wing or a left midfield role in a 4-4-2. Uh, that's understandable. Uh, the other, I want to go to the other side as well. Stephen Bereshore, uh in the two games, what do you, th- what do you think of him? I, I, I don't think he really, maybe it was a plan because he, they knew he was going to play both games, that they, they kind of held him back. I, I just still don't feel the attacking that I've seen in, in the past when he was with San Jose. No, I mean, I'm the same. <laughs> He's, he's disappointed me a little this season in that regard. I don't want to say that he's been a disappointment all round because he has been very solid when he plays. But we were used to YP Lee tearing up that right wing and we just haven't seen it from Betashure. And as you say, he did that when he played for San Jose. So it's kind of frustrating because if he was doing that and overlapping with whoever's playing right mid or right wing, then I think you've really got... A, a bit more of an attack, and I think that's what we're lacking. But I mean, there's no way that Betashear's not going to play, and he's going to be our starting right back for a long, long time to come, by the looks of it. So, I mean, maybe Robinson's told him not to be so offensive. I just think we could get a lot more out of the team and a lot more out of him if he did push forward a bit more. Now, one of the big points about the RSL game, I know we're jumping back and forth between TFC and RSL, but it's, it's going to happen. RSL game, after they scored that goal, there was a big scuffle in the me- central circle just before kickoff RSL's kickoff the Whitecaps I don't know, the the RSL team looks so down after letting that penalty in and it seemed to rile them up when they they, when that whole thing happened and they actually gained more energy than they were playing with before is there like, would it be a thing where the Whitecaps know that don't start anything with them, don't push them, they are a sleeping giant, let them sleep for a little longer, maybe it'll It'll take him a little bit longer to get back into the game. The thing is, we still don't really know what kicked that off, apart from the RSL frustration, which was like there in leaps and bounds. But, I mean, it definitely lit a fire under RSL's belly. And you do wonder that if they hadn't been riled up, would they have managed to pick themselves back up or would that have been a killer blow that left them down and out? Looking at the game, I described it as feisty. It was definitely fiery, and for me, there could have been, I think, there could have been three players sent off in that. I think Laba should have been sent off for the Whitecaps because he came around a bunch of players and he pushed Plata. I think it was Plata that he pushed. But, I mean, you raise your hands, unprovoked, I would have given a red for that. Morales could have had so many bookings that he would have had a second yellow. Well, the the forearm, the shiver forearm to Mexiquita's back of his head, that was definitely one that, you know, even Borg said that, he was very lucky to uh, escape with a, without a red card. And Beckerman as well. Uh, we were probably going to be speaking about Beckerman. Yeah, Be- as well. Be- Beckerman was a, another guy. And it's like whether they would have had straight reds for the, for the stramash that broke out or whether it would have been second yellows. But I really think that there should have been three players sent off there. And how after that scuffle, only Fernandez and Laba got any bookings from that is just beyond me. Yeah, considering RSL seemed to be the team that started it and, and pushed around the Whitecaps initially. The one thing about the, the chippiness in RSL is it, it hurts the Whitecaps a little bit because 
both Gershon Kofi and Matias Lab are now one card away from getting suspended due to yellow card accumulation. And then you got Fernandez, who's like two cards away. So each, all three of those guys picked up yellow card and now we're one step away from getting. So depth is definitely going to have to play a big factor down the road. For sure. So let's just hear a little bit from training today from the White Caps around the fact that they haven't been taking their chances, letting leads slip, letting the late goals in. What needs to do to change this? Any plans for new players coming in? What they need to do about concentration and tightening up? So we're going to hear from head coach Kyle Robinson, goalkeeper David Eustead, and left back Jordan Harvey. And from a striker's viewpoint, we're going to hear from Eric Hurtado. Three games, three yeah. leads blown. Yeah. Is it hard for you to get across to young guys that yeah. want to attack that they have to kill the game off? Yeah, it's, yeah it can be. Um, like I said, I keep um, I remind them in the early part of the season that you know we don't like going behind to make us kick on, which I think it did because sometimes I think we play when we're behind. Now we're going ahead, and then also it's you know we, we've thrown away three leads, so it's important we we learn from those situations, and we will. Um, but it's important we don't get caught up in the situation. And, you know, if we go ahead on Sunday or we go behind on Sunday, we've still got 90-plus minutes to try and win the game. So I will use it as a learning situation for all of them. Some will take it on board quicker than others, but so that eventually I will get everyone else to understand the, the situation that we're in. Just a quick thing, yeah. just about late goals. Yeah. At the moment, it's 40% of the goals have been in the last 15 minutes, but just right. the worst in the league. Right. What do you put that down to? For us? Yeah. Oh right, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, do you put that down to like teams just pushing because you've got the yeah. lead, or is it that you guys are just still looking to get another goal and just pushing forward? Yeah, no. I'll, I'll have to look at that. It's. I think it could be a bit of both. It's, you know, if we're one nil ahead with the yeah. young group we've got, I've always said I want to play on the front foot, and I think you saw that we try and win the ball high up on the from the goalkeeper on Saturday, and when we're one nil one one nil ahead with ten minutes to go, you know, I still want to try and catch them on the counter, and sometimes. You get lazy in your jobs, and I'm not saying the boys are getting lazy or they switch off, but you know sometimes you relax a little bit too much. With a young group, it's important that they don't relax; they concentrate for 94 plus minutes. So, you know, it's something I'll need to look at. Um, you know, it's not great conceding uh, last-minute goals, but like I said to the said to them on Saturday as well, if we would have gone behind twice and come back with two one-one draws, everyone have been positive and said, "Oh, we've got great fight back in us." We've done it the other way and gone ahead from being positive in the start, and then. You know, home teams have managed to get goals against us, um, and then people say, "Well, we concede in the end." So, you know, it's six or one and half a dozen. It's at the end of the day, we need wins, so we just need to make sure we score more goals in the opposition. Whether whether it's late goals or early goals, it's you know, it's about winning. Summer transfer windows open. How busy is your phone working right now? It's it's very busy, um, but whether it's for targets and things like that is another question. You know, we're always looking to be progressive, uh, not just now for the summer transfer window, but also January. Uh, and next summer as well, because you know the thing you find with uh, top players is you know they're very really out of contract, um, and then you have to try and broker a deal of maybe trying to get someone in on loan and that. Lot. So we're always looking. Um, does that mean we're going to sign anyone? No, 
um, you know, because I've got a very good group of young players here. Would I like to add to the group if I think it's beneficial and it's possible to do it, then we're always looking at trying to do it. You've said patience has been yeah. the biggest thing during you even back in the spring, yeah. especially after Kenny Miller left, you'd said yeah. very much the same thing. And that that's still remains the same, it even is. though we're in a window at the moment. Yeah, it is. It's you know, I won't make a wrong decision, not just for me but for the club as well. We've got to be correct with our decisions. I think the decisions to bring in Pedro and uh, Matty Labra's two DPs have been the correct decisions uh, and they weren't made you know within a month you know there was a bit of planning in that as well so if we feel it's right to do it then we'll, we'll certainly look at it if we don't or we don't think we've got the right uh, mix or character then we won't do it and you know one thing I've managed to do here is, is trying to instill a culture and it's credit to these boys that they've managed to do that but I won't put that at risk for uh, a chance uh, or information I don't know about a guy so I need to make sure I do my homework and the coaches do their homework and we get references and we go out and watch these players and said if the time is right then we'll look at it if it's not then we won't. General question in terms of yeah. the way the summer transfer window works for you is it yeah. more about looking at something you can do more in the future now has, has it tended to work more like that as opposed to yes yeah yeah no I, I could go and bring in a 34 year old now yeah. one that's got a big name and yeah. that's out of contract but is that going to help us in the short term yeah it, it, may, it might do it might cost us a lot of money but it might help us in the short term is that going to help us in the long term Pro no probably not so that's what we've got to juggle up we've got a young group young squad here uh, with a young manager who wants to develop and and be successful not just in the next six months but also in the next two three five years um so i've got to make a you know decision when i signed pedro was based upon him being here three four five years um and that's the goal with him and if i'm going to bring in a designated player then that's going to be the case for the next one as well it's it's not just going to be a, a quick fix for us it's got to be a long-term plan and i think i think the players understand that i think the supporters understand that that we're going in the right direction and um as long as we continue to do that and move forward then you know, hopefully I'll be doing my job. Do you think, how, how have you seen your club and other MLS clubs use the last few summer windows? Is it more like a scouting yes. phase than, yep. than just trying to get players yeah. in? The, Listen, in the the, there's not, this is the, the beauty of MLS. There's not a right way and wrong way of doing it. And, you know, if you sign a designated player in the, in the summer transfer window and then he leaves the next year, then it's the wrong way to do it. If you sign a designated player in January and he leaves halfway through the year, that's not the right time to do it. At the end of the day, you've got to be correct on your designated players because they're the big difference between being successful and not. So that's why I say I won't rush into you know bringing a designated player in if I don't feel it's what the time is right or the player is right because it will affect the group too much. Uh, you know there has been a lot of turnover in, in summer transfer windows at the club in the last two years and yeah, um, you know whether it's worked or not is up for debate and you guys will decide that. But. You know, I've got to make a decision based upon what I think is best for the group, and you know, I will never put that, the group at risk, rather for one individual. With three blown leads uh, in a week, what does that do for the mentality of the team? Does it start to play in your mind? And what what do you need to do to to stop blowing these leads? I think that we need to get positive about it. Uh, we're still getting the leads, so uh, I'd rather uh, have the leads and, and blow them than, than not uh, have them at all. So we need to focus up on keep doing what we're doing, getting the leads, but but being more compact, being better to kill the games. Um, it's been some tough games, uh, Toronto away and, and um, Salt Lake away uh, are tough uh, places to keep leads, but uh, we need we need to get wins, like I said, and, and we'll, we'll focus on doing that. And 40% of goals conceded that have come in the last 15 minutes. Is that just a case of the players switching off or opposition pushing harder? Or are you guys trying to, to go too much to get the extra goal and then leaving yourself short at the back? 
Uh, you know, there's a lot of theories. If I had the answer for you, I'd probably go and tell Carl uh, what to do. But um, th th there's a, a lot of factors. Like you say, teams pushing when they're behind. Uh, us maybe going a little bit too much for the for the second goal. But like I say, uh, we're trying to stay positive. We, we're getting the leads. And then uh, now, hopefully, uh, in the next few months, uh, you'll see us uh, keeping the leads as well. Just uh, want to ask you about: uh, Are we at the point in the season where uh, teams have figured you guys out, and vice versa, just uh, in terms of goal production and, and what it takes to, to sort of corral that from a defensive standpoint? I don't think. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think uh, we're still developing. We're still getting better. We're still um, tweaking uh, defensively formations, uh, lineups. So um, no, I don't think so. I think uh, we're still getting better and better every game. And uh, we'll continue to do that. I think uh, the way we've been playing right now has been great. We've uh, kept the shape that we've wanted defensively, and we've grinded out games and need to do that uh, towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. Looking at the stats, it's like 40% of the goals that's been let in have been in the last 15 minutes of games. What do you put that down to? Is it just teams are pushing because you have the lead, or are you guys pushing forward too much? You know, I think you, you need to go over the games uh, that we've played, and I think in the Portland game, you know, we gave up uh, three goals or two goals in the final 15, maybe that was it. Um, and it's kind of skewed, I think, in that sense. Um, different games here and there. I, I haven't looked at, you know, the numbers. We don't really look at that. You know, we gave up a couple goals in the Chivas game. That last one doesn't really matter. Um, so I think that's a number that you don't really, you know, put too much thought about. Just uh, the goal production uh, the last month, what's been some of the challenges for you guys not hitting the back of the net as, as much as you were at the start of the year? I don't know. I think uh, teams have adapted to our solid play. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the season, they didn't really know what to expect and got a few games under our belt, half the season under our belt, and so teams know what our strengths are. So when you go out to a game just like we you look at film, we look at team strengths, and they're trying to counter our strengths. Spreading the goals out amongst players, um, kind of scoring by committee, is that confident that you can sustain that and still get the results throughout the course of the year? Yeah, um, like I said, it's halfway through the season and we got to find different ways to score. Uh, we have multiple players with over three goals and I think I think that's good. If uh, we want to get into the playoffs, we want to win a MLS Cup, we have to be able to get results on the road. Yeah, we do have to learn to close out games. Uh, pushing forward to the end of the season, uh, to go into the playoffs in the MLS Cup, like I said, we got to learn to close out games. So we got to uh, focus on that and work on that. So as we said at the start of the podcast, for me, one of the most frustrating things about this spell of games is the Whitecaps had three chances to go second. Now, in the West, sitting second are FC Dallas, and they're coming to BC Place on Sunday. Early in the season to say this, maybe, but for me, this is a must-win game. If the Whitecaps are going to make the playoffs, they need to get the three points from this. Dallas have played more games than the Caps. They've got a lead on them just now in points. They have to get this in the bag because you've got the teams below them closing the gap. It's just such a tight Western Conference. It's only going to get tighter as the season goes on. So Dallas, for me, must-win game. Um, I, I don't think it's a must-win for the playoffs because they can always, like, Get, get on a hot streak later on and that's how other people might drop but it is a must win I think in terms of mentality uh, 
they don't want to be keep they don't want to be on the streak of losing home games and and losing confidence in themselves and that's why i think this is a game that they i don't think they can even afford to draw uh for their mental state i think they need to win they need to get a little strong and luckily for them there are a couple of missing players from fc dallas that is going to hurt them uh, uh hurt dallas's chances and help uh the Whitecaps, they're, they are, they're missing a couple players. They're missing a key uh, attacker in uh, Fabian Castillo, who's out with a, a red card. And uh, they just lost one of their toughest midfielders, holding midfielders, Henry Thomas, who's a very physical Honduran player. And so those two missing players hopefully can take a little bit away from the FC Dallas defense and expose their centre-back pairing in the back as well. I think we're going to see Dallas come here and kind of play the, the game that the Whitecaps played in Salt Lake. They're going to be happy to sit behind the ball, try and soak up that Whitecaps pressure and hit on the break. And they have got dangerous options on the break. I mean, when you've got Blas Perez in the team, it's yeah. always going to be dangerous. And then uh, in addition to Blas Perez, you also have Mauro Diaz, who's a, who is a key player for them. He's had he's going through injury issues and he hasn't played like a full 90 in a while, so it'll be interesting to see. They they think he's going to be at full strength when he comes to Vancouver, so we'll be able to see him. He's essentially the replacement for uh, that diving C that you like to call him, uh, David Ferreira. Uh, so basically, that's that's who their replacement is. He hasn't. He's, the, he, the stats don't jump out at you because he hasn't played that many games, but he is a, at the beginning of the season, he was their main reason. He was, they were flying right off the bat. And I mean, Dallas, like last year, started off really good, started to fall, but they have started to turn it around again and they've started to get the vital wins when it matters. The West just now, though, is so tight. I mean, even... I mean, San Jose look out of it, but a, a run of games could pull them back into it no, again. they're done. They're absolutely done, I think. I what about Chivas? Do you think their bubbles burst now after I, that decimation by DC? Yeah, I think Chivas is going to... I think Chivas is going to drop a little bit more to the mean. I, 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 don't, I, I just don't see the depth they have, and I think over a long season, they'll probably fall apart. And if you take Torres out of the game, then it, it's they've not got a lot. No. They ha- do have some stuff, but not a lot. Portland, they now possibly might be be getting their act together. It's kind of hard to tell. They just look so inconsistent. One week they look terrible, one week they look really good. So I'm still worried that they're below the Whitecaps and I'm worried that they're going to get the momentum later on the season with their great crowd behind them. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the teams that you can't worry about too much because I think they are going to make the playoffs. I think Seattle... I think LA is one other team. I think uh, RSL should be able to bounce back, although with Sabriel missing for such an extended period, you wonder if Sandoval will be able to provide those goals. They seem to be lacking goals in the last few games. Uh, Portland looks like they're, well, they, they were heaping praise on Liam Ridgewell uh, for his effort against Colorado, their newest DP. So. Uh, maybe that has solidified them in the back end because before they were like uh, they were letting goals in very easily, uh, especially late in the games, like you said before, against uh, the Seattle and Portland, Vancouver. Those are the teams. I think the teams they have to catch in which weeks this game this weekend very vital. Also, is FC Dallas and Colorado. Those are the teams that are going to be fighting for the fourth and fifth positions in in the Western Conference. And that's the thing, we've had two losses now to Colorado, and I, I totally agree with you, I think those four teams are battling for the two spots. Yeah, the mentality side of it as well, that is massive, and 
the, the win at the weekend against Dallas, if they can get that, will do so much for their confidence. Lose another home game, lose another three points to like a Western Conference rival. And it's like Carl's talked about team strength. When you've got a young group, they take the knocks a little bit more personal at times. Other times, they just kind of shrug it off a bit, so it's kind of hard to see exactly how it's going. But I think it's going to be tough. I think Dallas are going to play a spoiling game. I'm going to say 2-1 win, though, for the Whitecaps. So I'm going to agree with you with the Whitecaps when I think they will pull it out this week. I'm going to say 2-0. I I think they will be more solid in the back end and be able to pick up the clean sheet. So I, I still do feel that it's, it's a vital three points that's coming up at the weekend. And I, if they don't get it, I'm a little bit worried about that. Just, just bef- before we kind of wrap up, do you think we're going to see anyone coming in, Steve, in the, in the next week or two weeks? Or do you think they're just going to try and keep the squad they've got bar someone amazing becoming available to them yeah I, it seems very quiet right now it's like nobody's talking about anything at all so if they have something coming in it's gonna be a big surprise there was a mention of a striker who was in in sweden but on loan in turkey that the whitecaps were interested in the news came out of turkey uh, it, it, it seems like he wants to stay in, in, with the turkish league and he had about four offers for four different teams, so uh, most likely he will stay there. He was a big striker, target striker that they would be looking for. Maybe somebody else pops open that was is waiting on getting a contract and, and is hoping to get somewhere in Europe, but maybe doesn't get it, and maybe he comes available then. Because part of the problem is that they have to move Rio Coker's massive 400,000-plus salary to be able to bring anyone in. There was the rumours as well about Rocky Santa Cruz, not sure where that really well, came from that, or that, that was just a thing where he was there was they said there was an offer from uh an mls club he is a target striker he's a little older but he is a target striker and he is a former teammate of pedro morales so that, everybody kind of put two and two together and hopefully we're thinking about getting four because you know you bring a striker that's familiar with the the creative guy, and you're hoping that works out well. I definitely want us to, to make some additions to this squad, and I feel we have to if we're going to make the playoffs. We need to get a new striker, someone that can actually finish. So just before we wrap up, Steve, just let everyone know where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me at Whitecaps Beat and sometimes writing for Canadian Soccer News. And I'm Michael McCall, and you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all my stuff, AFTN on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca, CanadianSoccerNews.com. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, and you can read my Whitecaps coverage on Soccerly.com. So until next time, let's just hope that the Whitecaps can not let some late goals in, not blow any leads, and get the three vital points against Dallas on Sunday. So until then, thanks for listening, take care, and mourn the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs, and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Yeah.